Hello and welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. This is an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast. I'm Bentley and joining me via Zoom call is Asad Hassan. It's great to have you here, man. And what a fascinating game this last Sunday. We haven't had much to look forward to for the Jaguars in recent weeks. And this game in which the battle of the worst, so the Jets facing off against the Jaguars, both with new coaches out of the picture, Urban being fired and Asada, the Jets coach on COVID list. We also had the battle of the, t- the top two quarterbacks in the draft, or at least uh, via draft order and projections. So Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. But I think most interesting is just how bizarre the play calling was in this game. It was very creative, but a lot of the creativity fell flat on its face. There were a lot of risks taken, a lot of going forward on fourth down with fourth down with like no reason to so much that that big cat country uh, summed it up quite neatly, saying that it feels like watching two drunk dudes playing Madden against each other. And by the way, uh, R.I.P. John Madden. God. Wow. Wow. OK. Said, how did you take this game? What was what was your uh, craziest element? Well, yeah, first off, you, know, you nailed it saying, uh, rest in peace, John Madden, a legend in the video games as a coach, as a as a broadcaster. He did so much. I even saw some slander going on about him, which was totally uncalled for. But yeah, rest in peace to John Madden. What a crazy game, right? It, it just seemed like it reminded me of a college football bowl game where a lot of people sit out and there's like, you know, you, all the tricks are out of the bag. You just try some funky stuff, go for it on fourth down. I don't know, man. It was it was kind of a fun game to watch because it was actually competitive and there was something being played for it. And that would be, you know, fighting for that number one pick this year, which is kind of important, too. If you look forward, you know, the Jaguars should have won this game. And I'm still a little upset about that. A couple of days ago, I downloaded this uh, game for my phone, actually, like an app game for your phone called uh, Retro Bowl, which is an obvious um dig on Super Bowl and they definitely don't have rights to like anything in the NFL. So like all the all the teams, color schemes and everything are exactly the same as they are in the NFL, but it's so low resolution because it has this nostalgic, you know, like playing football, like it's 1987 again, retro feel that you actually can't distinguish uh, like any logos or anything. (laughs) Anyway, game's addicting. (laughs) It, It prides itself in like and how you actually manage the team and like you, you manage egos and the team's salary cap and roster and coaching staff and all that kind of stuff. And the gameplay is actually fun too. And it's totally got the no, no risk, no reward going for it on fourth down all the time. Definitely rolling the dice nonstop kind of thing. So much of the game really does have this sort of addictive feeling to it. And Man, <laughs> I don't know if I'm recommending this or not because it's definitely has the potential to, to to destroy human relationships here. But well, you shouldn't have told me. I know you t- texted me about it last night, but now I might. I really might have to go download it. Does it cost money? That's that's a big one too. It's it's free, but for a 99 cent upgrade, you can uh, you have a lot more like powers and privileges, and you can like rename teams and players and stuff. Because oh, amazing. 
Oh, dude. Okay, we're we're a little bit off topic here, but <laughs> the the way that they draw up uh, roster names, the way that, that, that it's, it's obviously this like f- it's like fake players on 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 real teams essentially, but the way that they they draw up names and invent names is basically from the bank of of NFL players that have played in the NFL, and I think a lot of the names are very recent. So like occasionally you'll have like <laughs> an offensive coordinator for hire whose name is Bortles. <laughs> or like a running back named Ngakwe, right? It's just like doing this random name generator. So anyway, I, man, I, I they gotta they should pay me for this advertisement. I'm I'm going above and beyond here. Yes, you are. You you seem like you really like it. I'm, I might have to give it a try. <laughs> so one last question about this game: Did you choose like? Can you choose a team? And is it like what would, would they be called? The Jaguars or the Jacksonville Jaguars? The, the the game has this very retro feel, and I think they've even designed the gameplay to be similar to some game that would have been around like in the late eighties or whatever, like on Atari or, or, or the first Nintendo system or something that said the team names are the city name. And then the, the color scheme is the modern color scheme. And they even have like rush jerseys and stuff you can pick. (laughs) It's like really, really cool. It was just so low res that they, they don't get in trouble for like the trademarked logo of the actual NFL franchise wonder if other people play this do you play other people do you play just like within yourself all i know is you just play it yourself and and it's it's this weird mix of addictive play where like the gameplay itself is fun like the way that you throw the ball uh it's not just like sort of holding down the a button for a length of time it's like you actually do a opposite you drag your finger back farther and that corresponds to the wind on the quarterback's arm to launch the ball farther the almost more fun than the game itself is like that you earn points like every week based on how people play and stuff. And you literally have to manage players getting upset and shit. And you want to make sure they're happy because if like there's a toxic player on the team, that toxicity spreads to other players on the team. And they, they have all kinds of amazing situations that pop up as like problem solving things. So it's like, you know, so-and-so was out at a nightclub uh, last night and got in trouble with the police. Well, it sounds like the Jaguars, right? Do you find that player and then take his mood down, his morale goes down, which may affect everything, his performance and all, all kinds of shit. Or do you ignore the fine? Like, do you like be the nice guy? But then the whole team's morale risks going down because of that. Because they're like, well, why didn't you find him? Like, you got to keep the rules, you know? Like, we get in trouble for our shit. So like, why, why are you letting him slide? Can you, can you see the parallels to the Jaguars already? <laughs> you know, a little fake reference of, you know, being out at a nightclub, I thought of the Jaguars game in London where I think uh, Barry Church and some others got <laughs> first memory that popped up. Oh, by the way, you also shut <laughs> need a shot about this game. But they, they want to make sure you don't start with your favorite team because the idea is you want to take a shitty team to greatness and then your favorite team comes and gives you an offer and then you go rebuild them. Like that's the best. That's the most fun way to play. I didn't choose the Jaguars. Ironically, I was assigned the Jets first. So I was a New York Jets coach for like two seasons and then the, then the Jaguars hired me away. Oh, well, look at that. Brings us right to the yep. Jets and Jaguars game. Speaking of addiction, I, this game I I couldn't I couldn't look away from it. I mean, I was this was one I I was with family like celebrating Christmas and a birthday and everything, and I had this the game going on like on my phone, like underneath the table, man, and like off to the side and like behind the lampshade, and I I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop watching it. It was so bad yet so good. <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to talk about James Robinson, man. I was kind of heartbroken seeing him get hurt. Like, that's the guy you never want to see get hurt in a game, especially a torn Achilles. Like, 
we're not going to be seeing him next year really either, right? Ooh, I don't know. Wow, I didn't think about it being like a whole year recovery time. That's really sad. And that's really tragic, especially given Travis Etienne's Liz Frank fracture, which would also have a huge recovery time. And the fact that in that case, our entire starting running back room is in limbo. Right, which brings me to who are we going to use at running back? When will ETN be back? And what's it mean for James Robinson going forward? Because we know he's undrafted. So, you know, he's got to work to get paid on his next contract too. Um, yeah, that is really is really sad for James Robinson. And, uh, you know, it's especially tragic given that Urban Meyer was benching him on and off essentially throughout the season this year. And finally, we kind of get a chance to have him burst loose and, you know, enjoy more possessions. And they, I feel like they even, the announcers almost jinxed him in the beginning too. Like, oh, we think, we think we're going to be seeing a lot from James Robinson today, right? Uh, so it's very, very sad for him. They, all, another announcer jinx is <laughs> at some point they said something about like Trevor's ability to to release the ball and like maturity as a passer. And I think I think something about like better pass protection or whatever right before the play where Trevor <laughs> Lawrence does the like rookie quarterback just scrambling back and back and back like like, you know, switchbacks going down a mountain and he's going this way and that way, this way, that way before just fumbling the ball. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm starting to worry a little about Trevor Lawrence now thinking, you know, you see Zach Wilson out there. He didn't have a great game either. Trevor played actually all right, but some of the decisions he makes, I don't know where they come from. Like in college, we thought this guy was like, you know, he's very sharp. He, he's a really smart guy. Like he won't make mistakes to hurt his team. And it seems like he's done that more often than I thought he would this year so I'm, I'm not happy about that i mean it was a totally no stakes game i mean the only thing at stake would be basically lawrence versus wilson reputation or something right if you wanted to make it just personal but i mean we also have trevor lawrence he, he laughed after this one right but like when he he's also going down i think he had you know two defenders wrapping him up when we were going for two late in the game and he launched the ball. He just like coughed it up. It like it, it came out, you know, like as he's as he's twirling down, he's like a little Kermit the Frog, just like like that, you know. And the ball goes out, sails out. I think towards the back of the end zone, it winds up getting picked off or something. He he stands up from that, laughing because he knows it looks freaking silly. Now in that case, you you kind of have nothing to lose. I mean, that was to give his receivers a chance, right? And you're going for two, so it's not like. It's not likely that I get what that would be picked off and then returned for two points against you, whatever, in this essentially a preseason week four game. We definitely saw some effort and some fight. Ah, the worst part was, you know, we finally got to see the Jaguars hold the Jets, right? And the Jags can go down and win with the touchdown. And you almost feel like it's, okay, it's Trevor's moment. I know it's a two-win team, but, you know, go down there and will your team to the end zone and have the walk-off win. That's what quarterbacks are known for a lot. You know, they always show it up on, on the broadcast and these little graphics, you know, how many game winning drives a quarterback has. And that was a chance for a game winning drive and he did not succeed. And I thought it was bad time management on that last drive too. First of all, that scramble was beautiful, but a lot of people think he might've been able to just get in if he would have just pushed forward and gave it his all and just maybe dove or done something but he did not do that. I did not like when they spiked the ball. I didn't think that was necessary. They took away a play. I did not like the clock management at the end. 
I definitely agree with you on the, on the ball spike. I don't know about Trevor scrambling. It was already a really nice scramble, right? So, like, he wasn't even, to, to be fair, he was around maybe the 20-yard line or something and, and scrambles for 15 or so. There's two defenders closing in. I had to, like, look them up, actually, because I, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think they're both cornerbacks, right? So they're both in the secondary. They're kind of in the back there. It's questionable. Like, I don't know if two cornerbacks would succeed in tackling him. Yeah, he could maybe put his body at a little bit of risk. But, hey, fuck it. It's the end of the season. This is essentially a meaningless game, so you can take risks if you want to, I guess. For the spiking the ball, definitely cost us an extra play. I mean, even before that, Marvin Jones' catch should should have been picked off big time. I know we often say should have been picked off. In this case, it was like defying the laws of physics, like definitely should have been picked off. Like the ball graced the palms of the defender before getting redirected into Marvin Jones' hands. It was definitely should have been picked off, (laughs) you know. So yeah, kind of tragic ending there, right? And we, how many times this season have we been in that position where actually Trevor Lawrence does have a shot at giving us a final drive? You know, it's only been a couple of times, but in here it's kind of the same thing, except we almost got there. You know what? I've never seen a team that's as bad as this year's Jaguars and goal-to-go situations. I feel like every time it's goal-to-go, they can't get in the end zone, ever. It's very weird. I think now might be an appropriate time uh, to bring up the offensive lineman uh, play, not as actual lineman blocking, but scoring touchdowns. The Jaguars-Jets game had two of four offensive lineman touchdowns on Sunday. The entire season leading up to that point across the entire NFL, only two linemen had scored touchdowns this year. Connor McDermott for the Jets had a design play who wind up as an eligible receiver catching a touchdown. For the Jaguars, it was a lot less graceful. It was Trevor Lawrence, as you're mentioning, and in this goal-to-go situation, fumbling the ball, and then Will Richardson falls on it. But people are overlooking that right before that, we had designed a play with, who was it? It was one of our linemen uh, as an eligible receiver who like dropped the ball in the end zone. That's that's some Jaguar stuff. <laughs> that was hilarious. It was Lawrence, right? That fumbled too when Will Richardson recovered. Man, he's got to learn how to hold on to the ball for sure. He's fumbled a lot this year. I don't know how many have been recovered by the Jags, so it doesn't really count on the stat sheet, but he has been fumbling. But yeah, that, that that's some crazy stuff from the offensive lineman. And Andrew Wingard, oh my gosh, it looked like he got mossed by an offensive lineman on that play. And then also he got his boot shaken out of by Zach Wilson on the long run. Like, get Andrew Wingard out of the football game. Because Cisco, he played well. Yeah, Cisco had a pretty strong showing, for sure. Uh, yeah, Cisco almost had interception, too. Let's go ahead and take a break right here for commercials. And we'll come back to some other other bad news. Some other disappointment, let's call it, around the Jaguars. And uh, I, th- I think you might know what we're going to talk about. Oh. We'll find out. Let's just say we won't be clowning around. (laughs) So this week also, it appears as if, and please tell me this is not like signed and sealed delivered here, right? Like the Jaguars are said to be extending general manager Trent Baalke's time with the team. Is this confirmed? Is this a real thing? I've seen everybody on Twitter react to this. Is this a real thing? This sounds like a real thing. I saw Ian Rappaport tweeted out and some very mean comments from Jaguars fans underneath. Uh, I, I think the Jaguars want to clean house again, but how many times are you going to possibly clean house and restart from scratch? I know Balky's probably associated with Urban Meyer a little bit. 
But also, he did some good things with the Niners. I mean, can't be that disappointed about it. But, yes, I can understand the frustration about our owner, Shad Khan. But that frustration should have been there for the last five years because it has been with me for sure. Man, and it comes, I think, specifically at, at at a sensitive time when we're undergoing a coaching search right now. And we're going through the questions that we've gone through. I mean, if for fans that have been following this team for the last probably two decades, we've gone through every few years, which is, are we going to burn the whole thing down? Who goes? Who stays? Do we look at general manager and head coach as sort of needing to be a, a package deal? Do we involve a general manager in the search for a head coach? Do we get our head coach first and build the team's identity around that coach first? And in this case, I think objectively speaking, if that's possible, it just looks like Shad Khan has gone with familiarity in Balky. He's just been around the team for a couple years, sticking with him. And this is undoubtedly going to have an impact and a presumably negative impact on what type of coach we can get to come here and then how that coach's tenure will last in Jacksonville. And it sucks. I have a feeling the next head coach for the Jaguars is going to be Doug Peterson. I really do. And I don't know if that worries me or makes me happy because I'm not a huge fan of him. But really, it doesn't matter who you tell me the coach is going to be. I don't think I could be very excited for the Jaguars because I don't think they're a very good team and I don't think they'll be good next year. Some people calling for uh, Jim Caldwell even to be a coach and just advocating for kind of a boringness. You know, the team just kind of needs someone to keep things in line and to not get too roused up and excitable. Uh, like like Urban on a on a Thursday night or a Friday night, was it? <laughs> uh, probably Friday night, right? After the game. The next day, I would think, yeah. The next day, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was Thursday and Friday. Oh, boy. Maybe it was the whole weekend. <laughs> it probably was. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, so people were saying, you know, well, yeah, we, maybe the time is here for, for someone who can just instill a little bit of calm order. Not like Tom Coughlin militaristic order, but just like stability. Uh, I know Doug Peterson likes ice cream. Uh, that's that's all I got on him. He feel, it seems like a pretty charismatic guy. But it revolves largely around ice cream. Wow, I don't, I don't know where you heard that, but I mean, when I think Doug Peterson, I think about him kind of trashing the Jaguars in his book after his Super Bowl victory in 2017, saying that the Jaguars basically started playing conservative, called out Doug Marone, you know, for basically not going pedal to the metal against the Patriots and ending them. But I thought it was a well coached game. I think the Jags got screwed over in that game. But I remember that about Doug Peterson. So I don't know if a lot of Jaguars fans remember that or if it sits well with them, but it did not sit well with me. I think I think fortunately that comment about Doug Marone uh, revolves around Doug Marone more so than it does anybody remaining with the Jaguars today. The sad, the sad thing is when I think about Doug Marone now, I miss Doug Marone straight up. I do too, actually, yeah. It's funny, like one of the other potential coaches that was thrown around is Nathaniel Hackett, who was our offensive coordinator during that time. And that's just kind of a funny, like, full circle thing if that was to to happen. I do want to say that the Jaguars put in request to interview several coaches, uh, current current coaching staff. Among them, both uh, two teams they did this for, the, both the offensive and defensive coordinator for both the Bucks and the Cowboys. 
for the Cowboys, defensive coordinator Dan Quinn has already rejected the interview request. Yeah, which makes sense because Dan Quinn got ran out of Atlanta, and he did a good job in Atlanta, led him to a Super Bowl. I know it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to, and he's a defensive guy. He reminds me a lot of Gus Bradley. I believe Gus Bradley was, is in that Dan Quinn coaching tree as well. But, yeah, Dan Quinn's probably like, I don't want to go there and have my career go to shit, so I'm just going to stay here. You know, things are good here. My defense looks good. So let's, let's just stay here. I mean, it's, it's a risky move you know, wanting to be the head coach of the Jaguars because they could, I mean, we saw how, how urban turned out a lot of attention. Yep. And the Cowboys have something going for them as do the, as do the books right now too. I mean, we, I feel we're kind of dreamy here thinking about uh, Byron Leftwich coming to coach us, but and Eric B always been that way with Kansas city. I'm like, man, these guys are succeeding, dude. Doesn't <laughs> Eric B not going to leave Pat Mahomes unless it's like an amazing offer. Yeah. And you want to be set up with a, halfway successful team usually when you do come in to be a head coach of a, of a different football team they probably weren't that great or definitely underachieved the year before this team is way underachieved and they know you know the pressure they would face being the new head coach of the jaguars so i guess yeah we don't really have any clarity uh we'll, we'll get that in the, in the weeks to come about who who will be taking up the mantle as jaguars Head coach, unfortunately, we do know who the general manager is going to be. And by God, I hope that we do not subside into another three or four years of way less than mediocre. Hey, do we stand the chance this weekend against Patriots? Can we cover the 15 and a half points? <laughs> I think we always stand a chance. I think I think we can always we can always pull it off. Always pull it off. We just, our morale is just so low right now. We have nothing to play for. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, this is another one of those uh, Trevor Lawrence versus Mac Jones, you know, two of the quarterbacks drafted in this year's class. So that might be a, a good storyline going forward. Absolutely. And while I agree with you that Lawrence didn't have like a entirely lackluster game against the Jets, it would be really, really nice to see him shine a bit against Mac Jones and the Patriots. Yeah. And a Bill Belichick defense who, you know, he's known for giving rookie quarterbacks hell. So it would it would mean a lot if uh, Trevor had a good game. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Drunken Jaguar. This is an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast. Uh, as always, you can fo- follow The Drunken Jaguar at, on Twitter at Drunken Jaguar. Hopefully, hopefully, the Jaguars Patriots will also be a game that we can't turn away from and maybe with a little bit of goodness uh, to, to watch as well. Yeah, let's just hope for the best and not a blowout. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> All right, uh, go Jags, uh, not a blowout. Yeah. Is David Bryant done? <laughs> his contract expiring? His rookie deal? It must be, right? It feels like it's been four years. <laughs>